Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. She's giving back to her local community today, helping with some county fair judging. Susan enjoy talking the trade with us today. Kyle Bumstead, Allendale, Inc. And Kyle, it's pretty exciting when we get to talk to you because right now you're sitting between two pivots on a dirt road near Erickson, Nebraska. And I think that is some of the most beautiful country up and around there. So excited to talk with you today. Let's start here in your strong suit. That is in livestock and where we saw today, saw some really good gains coming in to start off the week. We pumped the brakes a little bit on the cattle and hogs here on Tuesday. But with that, we started to see some overbought technicals and oscillators coming into today. So what are the big things that traders are watching to see? Maybe is there still some bullish momentum or are we out of tank, out of fuel in the tank and we need to move lower now? Well, you hit a you hit a very strong point there. The charts, uh, as far as these upfront cattle here, Clay. You know, August is getting overbought here uh, as far as the daily the, the the daily signals are getting up there. Um, we're also watching the cash uh, here in this cattle here. This heat coming across here uh, in this uh, in the near term and uh, the extended forecast. But 94 to 95, maybe some light 96 traded today in Kansas and Texas here. As far as the cash size, from 155 to 157 on the regionals here uh, in the north here was traded. Um, that's that's kind of what we're looking at here. But the basis is getting weak here, uh, kind of pointing out that this fundamental picture is a little bit ugly, and we're coming into that time frame here where uh, these cattle should be upon us here. Now, I know the crop guys are closely, closely watching these weather maps, but a hot and dry July and August is also impacting these cattle. And with the backup we saw due to COVID-19, we're getting some heavier marketing weights. These carcass weights are increasing a little bit. What does that do for heat stress on these fat cattle, and what does this do in terms of our marketing plan? Well, I know it, I know it doesn't look good on some 11 and 1200 pounders, so I can only imagine what it looks like on the 15, 16 and 1700 pounders. I know they're still standing out there and I, I do think we will take some weight off these cattle as far as we won't shrink them, but they just won't gain near as fast, which could help us in this backlog long term. It's just the stress that we have dealing with them here, uh, you know, on the front lines as far as keeping them cool and getting them marketed. And I would not be surprised later on this week if some of these guys, you know, throw in the towel at the bid that they get and say, you know what, look, let's just get them gone. They're on the truck. Let's just get rid of them. If you can take them, I'll get rid of them. You know, interesting that we talk about that because going through COVID and everything, that's where we had this interesting dynamic of this really wide basis to the board. You know, cash is strong and the board just isn't catching up. And now within the last two weeks, we've really, we've really inverted that thought now where we've got quite a discount from the board to what's occurring out in the cash. How long can we keep this before we need those two to converge back together? Well, we've got quite some time here. You know, we've got another month here before August is in delivery. So we've got, you know, we've got maybe 30 days here. We could have possibly 30 trading days before that thing has to come in here uh, and get uh, get merged with the futures. But with the August October, uh, you know, spreads kind of weakening and, and giving them back here, it does just show that there's a fundamental problem out here, and we're sitting here right at the fundamental problem with all these cattle here sitting out here at us, staring right at us right now. Another interesting thing to think about right now, we're just coming off the 4th of July holiday, great grilling holiday, quite a bit of beef movement. We saw some decent load counts coming in those uh, carcass cutout reports, but now what do we do? Where do these middle meats go? Do we have plenty of grind? How does meat movement look going through the rest of summer, to, in your opinion? That's that's a very good question, Clay, and I, 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 I struggle with this one because, you know, meat should be coming down in the stores. It's not coming down in some areas because the retailers are still full of uh, stocked up high dollar meat due to the COVID uh, fallout. And uh, with the heat here upon us, the dog days of summer, as some of the trade call it, 
how much do we move? I, I mean, people don't really want to stand out there when it's 100 degrees in the evening and grill a steak. That's the, that's the question I have is how much meat movement do we get here after the 4th and how long does this heat stick around and does that hinder the meat movement? I think it can hinder the meat movement to an extent. Let's switch gears. Let's go over to feeder cattle for a little bit. And it's really interesting to watch some of these spreads coming up. Now, today, actually, we saw the most selling in those August feeders. They closed $1.22 lower. Then when you start looking at some of those deferreds, the October out to the November, January, real, we're running pretty flat to almost even on those spreads. What do we see? Do we still see some bearish action there and continuing to narrow or invert them? Or maybe we see some bull spreading in the future for those? You know, July is uh, is an interesting month for the feeder cattle, especially August August to be uh, to be exact. Uh, the cash seasonal for seven weights is to trend higher from the middle of July into the first part of August. Now, when I say interesting as far as July off the you know, July movement here with the month of August, because August uh, July August is tied to the index here. August will have the movement. Well, July doesn't have a lot of country sales here per se, or with a lot of movement. So you can see some big swings as far as up and down of uh, these feeders coming through the country because there's just not a lot of offerings out there. We're seeing that big sale out there this week. Uh, Superior's got the big sale uh, week in the Rockies, and I think uh, just just something I've noticed is how the, the spreads work uh, when we have these big video sales. I mean, there's just a lot of cattle offered, and they're just kind of showing us here uh, when those cattle are going to be delivered, you know, later on this fall. So that does have a little bit of an effect on it. Also, in those deferred live cattle contracts, too, is when those cattle are going to be delivered, or those feeders uh, that I'm talking about delivered, as to how the deferred fat boards uh, hold up out there. Looking at the broad scope of the trade here, how are feeders setting capital-wise to go into these summer trends and seasonals to be aggressive in trying to market or, excuse me, trying to buy and and supplement their stock for this coming fall and winter months? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm a uh, I've been looking to procure some feeders here. Uh, you know, if we were to dip down a little bit more here as far as the futures go, because I do think that there's going to be that normal seasonal pop here coming here uh, as we get into the fall months. Like we always see, there's usually a high demand in, and if this crop, this corn, uh, this corn crop is the size that we think it could be coming on out here, if we don't get much more stress on it. Uh, you know, you could have the feed out there. I know the hay's been excellent quality out here, so I think that there are going to be some people buying cattle here to feed. Again, we're talking with Kyle Bumstead. He's with Allendale, Inc., and it's pretty cool. We got to talk to him from Erickson, Nebraska today. He's out uh, near some crop ground some, and some pasture. So thanks, Kyle, for talking to you. This is segment one of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Coming up, we're going to focus a little bit on the grains, but I've still got some livestock questions in the holster for Kyle as well. Do you remember trading futures and options involved risk of loss? It may not be suitable for all investors. Stay tuned. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton and for Susan Littlefield, Kyle Bum said Allendale Link talking with us today and focusing first on the livestock. And as I said in that first segment, had a few more questions in the holster. Now, we focused primarily on beef in segment one, Kyle. But as well, coming out, I know we still have a lot of hogs that are going to be going through processing, plenty of beef that's going. So going now, maybe late summer, early fall, what is your thoughts? How much meat can we expect coming to the market? And are we ready for the the demand that's going to be present there with the supply that's coming at it you know looking at these hog numbers coming at us there's some in the trade or some analysts saying we could be through the backlog of hogs if, if we don't have any plant problems or issues or shutdowns or anything i mean who knows what's going to rear its ugly head 
but there's a possibility we could be worked through some of this backlog here towards the middle end of September. And when we talk about hogs specifically, the hog and pig report says just that. We could have a, a you know big slug of hogs coming at us here towards the end of September. Maybe skew those markings down here a little bit the first part of October. Then we seasonally ramp up going into the end of the year. And then with the hog and pig report kind of showing us, it does drop off significantly here uh, towards that first quarter. Now, You'll kind of see that uh, after the hog and pig report, there was a significant amount of bear spreading in this complex. We were selling the front ones, just couldn't hammer them enough, buying those back months. And I've seen a reverse of those spreads here uh, the last couple sessions. So when you see the reverse of those spreads, that could be signaling to us, is there possibly a bottom forming? Has the bottom formed? It's just one of those uh, signals that I kind of look at and say, maybe there's a bottom forming in this hog complex. You know, looking back through 2019, the the hog market was one that had that volatility and trying to call that bottom occasionally got a little dicey through there. What are we looking at here kind of in relation to 2019? Are we near some similar price levels or are we actually below that? Yeah, I, I think uh, as far as where we're at now, we're below some of the 2019 levels. But I think uh, up front here, you know, in 2020, I think that the cash hogs have put their low in here. They put that in here in uh, April. And uh, we're dealing with a totally different factor here. Uh, that in 2020 than we did in 2019 because 2019 was all about ASF and, and uh, you know, hogs couldn't get any higher. You know, $100 hogs there for a long time in uh, 2019. But here in 2020, we shut down hog, we, we shut down the processing plant, and now here we sit. What do we do with the hogs, you know? So we're still dealing with that, and I think there's, there's going to be a little bit more fallout to deal with here as far as that goes. Let's go now from the livestock and back over into that grain page. Today we see the corn and soybeans pump a breaks a little bit from their strong Monday gains. Obviously a weather market still related. How important, though, are the technicals right now, and how much is the funds and those watching those critical points on the charts driving this trade? You know, corn uh, corn held that 100-day moving average around that 351 area. I think 348 is a big area it needs to hold. 348.5 is that high from June. That's a big area the corn complex needs to hold. And uh, you know, you hit it right on. You hit it right on there. We've got weather map the weather map every six hours. Um, I know the euro sh- the euro model should be uh, updated here at any point in time. I don't have access to that where I'm sitting, but you know that could give us another indicator of uh, where we're sitting at as far as the 6 to 10, 11 to 15 day forecast. As this crop gets uh, into pollination, I pulled some tassels last night. We're uh, five to six leaves away from tassel up here on some of this corn. So, you know, that's going to be getting into that time frame where it's going to be critical. Where's that heat? How much moisture do we have to work on? And when you look here across the country, we got our crop progress last night. Granted, the corn nationally did drop 2% to 71%, good to excellent. But when you look at that as a whole, that is a really healthy crop. It's 14% higher than it was a year ago. Can we get away from this crop being so strong? Or even if we continue to see heat and stress coming on, we're still not going to be dropping fast enough to encourage the bulls in the market? That's that's possibility. Um but uh, again, it all depends on how much how much heat is out there and what time does that heat hit. I know a lot of this crop this crop looks excellent here where I'm sitting now, barring the dry land. But the dry land always does tend to struggle on hot, dry days. Uh, but coming across the corn belt uh, last week, that was some of the best corn I've seen and some of the best corn in western West Central Iowa and East Central Nebraska. That uh, that's the reason I think some of those guys are pretty quiet. Now, Kyle, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but we do have a WASDE report coming up towards the end of the week. What could this hold in store for grains? But also, there's going to be some livestock data in there. So what could it hold for livestock? 
That's right. Livestock, I'm more focused here on what do we see, what does the USDA give us as far as, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, and first quarter, what's going to be coming at us, uh, you know, as far as tonnage, uh, because they've made some adjustments on the, the, the last few monthly WASDE reports as far as, you know, maybe trimming that a little bit. So um, I'm interested to see that. But for corn and soybeans, I'm also interested to see uh, they've changed corn. They've changed corn yields four out of 20 times. Uh, out, of the, out of the last 20 years, they've changed corn yields four out of 20 and uh, the last time they changed that was in 2012 on this report. But they've also changed soybean yields uh, three out of 20 years on this last one, with last year being the uh, the change in yield uh, when they dropped in a bushel. Kyle, we appreciate the time today and walking us through the trade. If folks want to continue this conversation and how you can help them implement risk management on their farm or ranch, what's the best way to contact you or follow your uh, readings? You can call me at 712-880-6037. That's my direct line to the office up here. And again, Kyle Bum said he's with Alan Delling talking to us from Erickson, Nebraska today. Kyle, thanks for the time. This has been the Fondale Final Bell. Thank you to Fondale Hybrids and their support and, of course, all their hybrid dealers. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involved risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.